We're Kings 1, chapter 11, and we got up to verse 24, and we saw these last few verses, some enemies that Hashem has propped up against Solomon as a punishment to him. One was in Edom, and that was Hadad, and the other we read about is Razon ben Oyada, Razon ben Oyada from Aram. And these are countries that had been dominated by the Jewish people since the times of David, occupied by us, where we were taking taxes from them, putting a force, our forces in there, and they're going to rebel against us now at the end of Shlomo's days to create havoc and weaken his kingdom. And Edom is in the south, and Aram is in the north. So that's two places now that are going to start to give Solomon some problems. So verse 25 says, Satan Israel, call Shlomo. And he was an adversary to, to Israel all the days of Solomon. Here we're talking about Rezon and Yoyada. Besides the evil and the mischief that Hadad did from Edom, so we have these two adversaries, Israel, and they were hatred, they hated the Jews, Israel, and this and this this Rizon, he became king of Aram. So there we have these two major adversaries who are going to trouble Solomon's kingdom now. And the third adversary now is going to be a Jewish one, not a Gentile one like these previous two. And his name is Yeruvan ben Nevat. So Yeruvan ben Nevat, he's going to be the future king of the ten tribes. And we're, gonna, we're getting introduced to him right here in verse 26. And it says, Yeruvan ben Nevat Efrati, Minat Sreda. Yeruvan ben Nevat was an Efrati from Tsreda, Shemi Mo Tsru'ah. The name of his mother was Tsru'ah, Isha Almana, and she was a widow. So Yeruvan... What's in the name Yerovam? The root is Rav Am or Yerbu Ha'am, that the, there shall be many people of this nation. That's the root from the word Harbe and Am, Yerovam. But it could also mean Rav Am. Rav also means to fight. So Hurav Riv Ha'am. That's how the commentators explain it. Hurav Riv Ha'am, which means he fought the fight of the people. He fought the fight of the people. He championed the people's cause against the establishment. All that in the name Yerovam. Ben Navat. Who's Navat? He's the son of Navat. We don't know who Navat is. So some want to say, some commentators say that Navat is Sheva ben Bichri. Sheva ben Bichri led a rebellion against David back in chapter 20 in Shmuel Bet. And he was killed. And maybe that's why Yerovam's mother is a widow. The problem with that theory is that Sheva ben Brichi was from the Binyamites. He was uh, from the tribe of Binyamin. And Yerovam is from the tribe of Ephraim. As the verse says, Ephrati. He was from Ephraim. So that doesn't really make that much sense. So Tsreira, the city he was from, is in Samaria near Shechem. Not far, far from, I'm giving the shiur right now. And it says in the, the continuation of verse 26, It was Evid Shlomo. He was a servant of Solomon. And he raised his hand against the king. Now, how did he raise his hand against the king? That's verse 27. This is how he raised his hand against the king. And it says the following. Solomon had built up this place, the Milo, and and he closed up this opening area, this, this breach was closed up Ir David Aviv, which was left by his father David. Now that's that's 
how we rebelled. Now, we don't really understand that verse. Included in that verse, we have to understand other, the context. So if you go to chapter 9, verse 24, we saw there that Shlomo built a house for Beit Paro in the Milo. Again, we saw the word Milo also from the word to fill. We'll call it the Milo as, a, as if it's the name of a place. And Shlomo there builds in the city of David a house for the daughter of Paro. That's what the verse said back in chapter 9, verse 24. And now we see on that issue, Yerovam will, is raising his hand against the king who it says here closed the breach that his father David left. So we're going to have to go to the Talmud, which is going to complete the entire picture in the Talmud Bavli, Sanhedrin 101, Kuf Aleph. It says the following, Omar of Yochanan, how did Yerovam merit to be king? So it says, because he rebuked Solomon. Then it says, why was he punished? So Yerovam was also punished. Because he rebuked him in public. So he did his rebuke in an embarrassing fashion before lots of people. So let's see what the rebuke was. So they bring a verse that we just read that it was that Shlomo built a milo and closed the breach that David had left. So what does that what does that mean? Here's the now here we uh, we um, is explained. Omolo, David Your father David made openings in the walls of Jerusalem, so the Jewish people can come on their pilgrimage festivals to Jerusalem. He made it easy access. And you are closing it off. You're closing off the easy access. To make a house for the daughter of Paro? So here we see on this issue where Shlomo is building this, this place for Paro, this, this palace. And until then, it had been an open area for providing public access to the temple. And so Shlomo was closing it a bit with this construction, and on that issue, on that issue, Yerovam breaks p- protocol and he chastises the king. That's the issue of what we say he, he raised his hand against the king. Now, interesting that the Gomorrah continues, they give another reason how he raised his hand against the king. Omar Rabbi Nachman, Shachalat Tfilin Bifanav. So Rabbi Nachman says he took his tefillin off in front of him. So that's a different idea. That in those days they wore tefillin all the time, and Yerovam ben Avat removed his tefillin in front of Solomon, and it's kind of a way of saying that you're not my rebbe. So that's what Yerovam did. Now, now we're going to go in verse twenty-eight, the next verse, and it kind of gives us the background. How did Yerovam get to where he was in the first place? How did he become servant of the king in the first place? So it says the following: Ve'ish Yerovam gibur chayil. And this man Yerovam was a Gibor Chayel, which was a man of valor, a mighty man of valor. So when you have Gibor Chayel, that's the way they describe Boaz in the book of Ruth. That means somebody who's really a bold fighter, a respected, very, very serious individual. And Shlomo had seen the, this young man. Shlomo had saw that this young man does his work very well. He's very, very... Uh, Zariz, zealous in his work. He has good organizational skills. He's, he's very talented. And Shlomo put him 
appointed him over all the taxation of the house of Yosef. So he had a position, Yerovam, before he chastised Shlomo. He had a high position. Shlomo saw he was a serious guy. Puts him over the ten tribes, which is called Beit Yosef. And that's the position he had before he even raised his head against raised his hand against Solomon. Now, verse 29, this gives us some more background. And it was at about that time, that Yerovam was leaving Jerusalem, and Shiloni found him on the way. And Yerovam was wearing this Salma Chadasha, this new garment, Ushnehem Levadam Bisadeh. And both of them were alone in the field. So that verse, verse uh, 29, there's a lot of uh, sages, our sages have a lot to say about that because it's kind of a mysterious verse. What do you mean they're in the field and he's wearing a new garment? I mean, that verse is really stuck in there out of nowhere. It seems a little esoteric. And that's why we're going to have to bring some important words of our sages on this. So it says that him, that Achio Shiloni, the prophet, and Yerovam were walking together. So it says, So it says that they're walking together, saying that Yerovam and Navat was equal to Achio Hashiloni. Now Achio Shiloni was a serious prophet, one of the greatest prophets of all times. And Yerovam was on a level that he's on the level of Echia Shiloni. That's how great Yerovam was when he started out. And it says, And the two of them sat, They were learning Torah. What were they learning? So that's the, the chariot. That's the, um, the story of the chariot. That's one of the most intricate, mystical parts of Torah in Ezekiel. Chapter 1, if you see that chapter, it's the most undecipherable parts of Torah that in within it are all the secrets and mystical parts of Torah in that Maseh Merkava. And that's what they were learning. It says, Malachesh, and then it continues in the Midrash, that the angel said to Hashem, to God, Olam, Almighty, Adam So the angel said, that this Yeravah Menavat, he's going to sin eventually. He's going to set up these two calves, these two golden calves later on. And how can you reveal to him the secrets of the Merkava, of the chariot, the secret of Ezekiel chapter 1, that nobody knows what it means. And Hashem says to the angels, Now, what is he now? They said, Sadiq. He's a Tzadik right now. He's righteous. So Hashem says, Well, I only judge the man according to he is at present. So there Hashem answers the angels that, yeah, Yeruvam is going to go off the derech, but right now he's a tzaddik, so I treat him as a tzaddik. Okay, so more on Yeruvam and Nevat. All from this verse, they were in the fields. Now, when you say you're in the fields, the fields very often is compared to Torah. So it says the following. Now they talk about the garment. What is this new garment he had? A brand new garment. So he said the following. And this is from Sanhedrin Kaf Vav 26 in the Talmud. In the same way that 
a new garment has no blemishes, so too, the Torah of Yerovam had no blemishes. His Torah was perfect, blemish-free. So here we see again, we're talking about a very heavy hitter, Yerovam Menevat. He wasn't just chosen for nothing. Furthermore, that him and Achia Shiloni were learning Torah in the fields, and they were learning things that nobody had ever heard before. They were discovering new chidushim in Torah. And what does it mean they were alone b'sadeh, in the fields? That compared to Achia Shiloni and Yoram ben Avat, all the other scholars were like grass, like blades of grass to him. He was the field and they're like just blades of grass. And that's how great he was as the Torah scholar. So here they're learning secrets of Torah. All that is embedded, incorporated into verse 29 that we read that they were in the fields and Yeravam had this new garment. So let's go on in verse 30. So Achia, the prophet, grabs or holds onto the Salma Chadasha, to this new garment, Asher Alav, which was upon him and he cut it into 12 pieces he ripped it into 12 pieces now you kind of remind us a little bit that when Shaul was looking for his donkeys and he runs into the prophet Samuel and whoop he becomes king of Israel by running into the prophet and here also Yeruvam's going out to the fields or leaving Jerusalem and boom Achia Shiloni is going to anoint him right here so he rips up his garment into 12 pieces, and he says to Yerovam, take 10 of these pieces, for thus says the God of Israel, I am tearing away the kingdom from Solomon, and I am giving it to you, and I am giving you 10 tribes. So he takes 12 pieces, representing the 12 t- tribes of Israel, and he gives to Yeruvah ben Avat 10 pieces, 10 uh, of these pieces of this garment, to symbolize that he will be king over 10 of the tribes. And it says further, Lamed Bet, Vashevet Echad Yelo, but I am leaving one tribe for him, in other words, for Solomon and his son, Leman Avdi David, for my servant David, Leman Yerushalayim, and for Jerusalem, I and for the city Jerusalem, which I chose, Mikol Shifte Israel, out of all the tribes of Israel. So we saw this last last Shior, last chapter, or the last Shior at the beginning of chapter eleven, when Hashem also tells Solomon that he will leave Jerusalem because he promised that Jerusalem will be forever. That will stay under the reign of the Davidic dynasty, and the one tribe of Yehuda will remain under the Davidic dynasty. All the rest is going to go to Yeruvah Menavat. And it now says the reason. Lamed Gimel, Achia Shilani continues to Yeruvah and he says, Because they left me, they forsake me, and they bow down to the Ashtarot, to the tree gods, and the Elokei Sidon, and to the gods of Sidon, Lichmosh, Elokei Moav, and Kmosh, the king of, the god of Moav, Umilkom Elokei Bnei Amon, and they bow down to Milkom, who, which, which is the king of the children of Ammon, and they did not go in my way, 
לעשות את הישר בעיניי, and to do what was right in my eyes, וחוקותיי ומשפטיי, and to go in my statutes, כדוד אביו. They did not go in the way of David, his, his father. But interesting that when it says that they bow down to the gods of these, to these pagan gods, it says, פשתחבו, that they bow down. It doesn't say שלמה bow down, like it said earlier in the chapter, which might be more evidence to the fact that Solomon himself didn't bow down, but instead he was punished for not chastising, not rebuking his wives. That could be a little proof to that here in, chapter, in verse Lamed Gimel, that it says פשתחבו להשתרות. So, now we continue. The... Prophecy of Achia Shilonit Yeravam and Avat, Lamidalid, 34. So I will not take the kingdom from his hand. I'm going to leave him to be a leader, or a Nasi, could mean like a prince. Throughout his life, the Davidic dynasty will have, um, will have a remnant. Because I promised I have to be loyal to my. Servant David, who I promised, who I chose, who um, observed my commandments in Torahs. So we're calling now uh, the, the king of Yehuda from the Davidic dynasty. They only have that one tribe or two tribes, Yehuda and Binyamin. And they call him a Nasi, not even a Melech anymore. A Nasi is less than a Melech. It's a, a prince or a leader. And the, and the prophecy continues, And I will take the melucha from his son. In other words, it's not going to happen to Shlomo himself, but it will happen in the days of Shlomo's son, the, the split. And I will give it to you, and you will receive the ten tribes. Of course, in the, in the next generation, in the, in, the, in the time of Shlomo's son's rule, and to his son, to Solomon's son, I will give Shevet Echad, just one tribe. In order so that the um, lamp of David will burn forever. It will never be extinct. Oh, there's a promise to David that it will not um, totally cut off the Davidic dynasty from him. And all the days in Jerusalem, and of course Jerusalem as well, I also promised not to cut that off. And therefore, because Jerusalem is promised to be forever, we'll have to have the monarch of Yehuda over that city. But all the rest is going to Yeruvam ben Avat. And that, now he's going to address Yeruvam ben Avat specifically. And he says the following, And you... I will take and you will rule wherever your heart desires you will rule however you want to and you will be king over Israel so what does it mean over you will have free reign as, as you desire in other words you can choose where your capital is you can uh, as long as you stay in the confines of Torah the prophet is telling Yerovam that you can set up your city in Shechem you can set up your capital here. You can do what you want. Just remain according to the halacha. But you have free reign here. He's giving him the green light to go. Verse 38. And if you do all that I command you, and you go in my way. 
Benai. And you do what's right in my eyes and what's straight in my eyes. Lishmor chukatai umitzvotai. To observe my commandments and statutes. Kashasita David Avdi. As David did, my servant. Vahiti mach. I will be with you. Ubaniti lechabayit neeman. And I will build for you an enduring, enduring kingdom. Kashabaniti le David. As I built for David, Natati lecha, I will give to you. At, at the Jewish people. So we see here that Yeravam is given the green light to rule over Am Yisrael, at least uh, amongst the ten tribes. And Hashem is promising to him that he will build for him an enduring dynasty. That Yeravam, if he doesn't go off to Derech, that his children and his children's children can continue to rule and that's a promise, just like he gave to David. Of course, it's stipulated on, on the strict terms that he goes in the way of Hashem. So, the, so he's getting the whole, the, the promise from the prophet. This does not have to be a temporary thing because it's free choice. And you're not being built up here to fail. The same way Shaul, the first king of Israel, that he could have also had an enduring kingdom, even though we know that the monarch would eventually come from David. There's ways Hashem could do it. And therefore, he's getting the green light to go with it. And now it says in verse 39, I am afflicting the seed of David because of this. In other words, the sins that they have done, that Solomon has done, causes me to afflict the, the um, descendants of David. But not till the end of days. Not forever. So, what does that mean that he's going to afflict the seed of David, but not forever? That he's going to prevent him from being the king of the Jewish people, of Elokol Yamim, not forever. And how is that understood? Well, the simple understanding of it is that it's true that David's going to lose the, uh, the Davidic dynasty, he won't be in charge of all the tribes of Israel. But we know in the end of days, in the end of days, in the days of Messiah, the tribes are going to come back and there will be an ingathering of the exiles. We'll get the 12 tribes back. And then, of course, the Mashiach ben David, the Messiah, son of David, will rule again. And everything will go back to what it was. So therefore, he says to Yeruvam, and therefore this split will not be forever. But there's another very interesting idea that Rashi brings, that the split in the kingdom was not supposed to be that long. That according to um, Chazal, that the split was supposed to be only 36 years. It wasn't supposed to be Kolayamim. 36 years equal to the 36 years that Solomon married the daughter of Paro. They were married for 36 years. So that corresponds to a 36 year split that was supposed to be. In the end, we know the split went right through the end of history. That split never really, that split remained until the 10 tribes were banished. But originally, the split was supposed to be only for 36 years. And that's why the prophet says here, Lo And that's very interesting that it was supposed to come back. And we'll look at that later on uh, as we learn the Bible. That in the days of Asa, King Asa, the tribes were supposed to come back to the Davidic dynasty. It did not work out. And we'll look at that later. So that's the... Heavy prophecy that Echishilani is laying down here to Yeravam and Avat, giving him a lot of responsibility. And it's probably after that prophecy that Yeruvam went and rebuked Solomon, which we saw two verses earlier, with that confidence and that 
backing he has from the prophet, he felt that he can go now to Solomon and do what he wants, and therefore that relates directly to the rebuke the Rovam does to Solomon for building a house for Bat Paro, and we'll continue next time.